0: Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope in our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Uh, It's hard to believe uh, that we're already in the last Sunday of Advent. Uh, Christmas is just around the corner here, um, and because we've been in Advent for some time, and in uh, the Gospel of John, um, we can now finally find ourselves to the end of the prologue, the end of these first eighteen verses. Uh, we 've been working our way through these with kind of a mind towards what the rest of John has to, to say for us. There's, there's themes that are packed into this first 18 verses that point the way. Through the rest of John. We kind of looked at it as a preview or, or a trailer for uh, a movie. It's, it's going to show some scenes that are coming up. It should build this anticipation for what is to come in the story of Jesus. And so far, we've unpacked just a few of those themes. Pastor Ben uh, began with looking at the themes of darkness and light, showing that Jesus is a light that cannot be overcome. Then the next work we. The next week, we looked at the words, in the beginning, and we saw how these signal how big Jesus' story is, that to tell of the significance of the story, we have to go to before creation. Jesus' salvation is something that is on a cosmic scale. Jesus will be ushering in a new creation. Uh, Then last week, we looked at John the Baptist And we saw him, we had this kind of picture of him as a sign that pointed the way. And this week, we're going to be looking at Moses and the law and how Jesus stands in relationship to those two things. And the image that I want you to be thinking of in the background can be found in this corner here this downward arrow. As we wait for Advent, as we wait for this coming of Jesus, we can be thinking. Of how these first five books, of how the law, of how Moses, how all of these things, when we're familiar with them, should help us in recognizing Jesus because they all point towards him. Before we read now, um, let's just come before God in prayer. Creator God, you remind us that the darkness of ignorance and doubt cannot overcome your life-giving word. May your Holy Spirit, who first inspired these words of Scripture, shine your light and once again awaken us to the hearing and living of this radiant truth. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today I want to begin with another picture Uh, This picture here is one that I've drawn to to represent some of my time out in Guinea-Bissau. I I lived out in Western Africa. This is me right down on the side there. Um, And often when we were there, I had to walk to the church at night. It was about a 20-minute walk down this dirt path. There was no streetlights or anything, so we just had to go by the light of the moon. Uh, When I first began, I, I would take a flashlight with me, But I noticed none of the locals were doing that, and it wasn't because they didn't have flashlights. It's because the moon was sufficient. The moon could light the way for us. In the moonlight, the world had this beautiful, muted quality. The colors were kind of more indistinct, and the things were kind of known more by their shapes and generalities. But it was good enough to get by. Now, I bring up this image uh, because last week... We compared John the Baptist to the moon for just a passing moment, and I want to focus on that image just a little bit more. John the Baptist is like the moon in that he reflects the light. He reflects light into the world, but he himself was not the light. It's kind of that language in the prologue. The light that he is reflecting is the light of Jesus. So just like the moon only reflects the sun, It is Jesus that is the source of the light. He is the true light, and from that we see this light that can kind of help guide, it can help be a bit of a path along the way. Now the theme of John's gospel is belief in Jesus. That's our series title here, that you may believe. And the content of that belief is pointing out that Jesus is the light, It's it's kind of movement in the other way. We are looking at something here that is bright only in that it points us towards Jesus as that true light. Now, throughout the gospel, there's going to be more people like John the Baptist. There's going to be more signs in here that are meant to point the way towards Jesus. But also, these are signs, these are things that people could mistake for being the light itself, so in a way, we could kind of think about it in terms of um, a planet with a lot of different moons. Uh, we can have, for instance, the temple being a moon, or, or sacrifices in the Old Testament being one of these moons, or we could have the law itself being something that gives that sense of light. We can have people like Abraham and Moses. These things can be seen as kind of lights themselves. People can look towards them as the light, as something that can help guide their way. But the whole purpose is that these things are actually reflecting the light into the world. Now, throughout John, this sort of thing is happening. Um, He's going to be looking at these different pillars of Judaism, these institutions, these temples, these sacrifices, the laws, the feasts, Abraham and Moses. And he's going to say that these things that you've relied on to guide your way through, is kind of this, this muted way of seeing things, those were good. But those are only good in so much as they point us back to the source, as much as they point us back to the one who is light. John is saying that Jesus is the one that we should be focusing for. Jesus is the one who all of these things direct us to. John is saying, you don't have to go back to this muted reality, walking around in the moonlight. Let me introduce you to the daylight things that come into color, into fullness through the person of Jesus. The old way of seeing things will just seem like a shadow into comparison. Jesus is that true light. This sort of thing is an Advent picture here. We have waiting in the shadows, waiting for the true light to come that illuminates that which came before They're waiting for God to come with them. Now, before showing that in our passage today, I want to give an example from John chapter 5. After all, these first 18 verses point us into the rest of John. Now, in John chapter 5, Jesus has just healed someone on the Sabbath. And this gets attention from the religious elites because he's doing work on the day of rest. And the religious elites accuse him of working on this day, and Jesus responds and saying "Um, here, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, not only was he breaking a law here, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Now now first, just pointing out here, Jesus here is making it very clear that he is equating himself to God. And I want to point that out because this is a question that sometimes comes up. Did Jesus really think he was God? Or did, did he just see himself as someone that was good, and then that got changed a little bit later? Here we have John reporting it very clearly. Jesus was equating himself with God, and it was something that everyone around noticed when he said it. The religious leaders were so offended that they tried even more to kill him. They saw that he was calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. He's on that same level, that same plane. He is God himself. But their response when they see that isn't worship, but they want to kill him. They they see something that's meant to point towards belief, but instead, it infuriates them. Jesus gives them, uh, Jesus gives us, kind of a reason why they didn't recognize him. Later on, in verse 39 of chapter five, he says, "Of them, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me." yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is essentially saying, you've been reading the scriptures so long that you've grown to accept it as the thing that has life. You think in them there is eternal life. Now, to go back to the moon analogy here and maybe to make it a little more ridiculous, um, we can picture the religious leaders as being rocket scientists or moon scientists. They want to study the moon as the source of light. So they build this rocket, and they make it go to the moon. (laughs) It's going to land. There we go. Safely landed. And they go to the moon, and they take samples of it. They study the moon. They look at it under the microscopes. They're so engrossed with figuring out how this thing produces light that all they do is focus on that thing. But what they're missing the whole time by focusing on that, is the one that actually produces that light. The religious leaders have their noses so deep into Scripture, they've been students of the law, of the words of Moses, they're devotees of the temple. They've been so reliant on them, so focused on this light, that they've confused it for the source, and they don't see the true light when it comes. Now, this is just one example from John chapter 5, but John does this sort of thing throughout the whole gospel. He's going and looking at different facets of uh, the practices of Israel, the central pillars of Judaism, and he's saying, these things in themselves are not the light. These things reflect it. We have to go to the source, Jesus, who is the true light. He's not dismissing these things, saying that they're unimportant, but he's saying Jesus is the fulfillment of these things. Jesus is what these have been pointing to all along. He's saying, come and walk around in the daylight through Jesus. Now, in John 5 and in the prologue, Uh, We get a window into John's audience here. I I think we get um, a picture of who John is writing to. And John's audience, I think, is full of people who heard about Jesus. And they had followed him for a little while, but now they were starting to turn back to their old religious practices. They started going back to sacrifices, maybe to feel a little bit more secure. They started following the law of Moses, just to make them feel a little bit more safe. They're doing things that shows a falling away from Jesus as the central reality, Jesus at the center. These were people that were, I I think one of the reasons why was that these were people that were really familiar with the humanity of Jesus. It's likely that they had a grandparent, a cousin, or a friend who had actually seen Jesus in person at some point. Jesus had thousands of people gather around him as he spoke. John's first audience, it's very likely that at least they knew a guy who knew a guy who saw Jesus, who, who knew Jesus in some way, who heard Jesus speak. In that setting, you might be tempted to think that Jesus was just simply human, that he was just another want-to-be Messiah who gathered a following for some years, but eventually all the hubbub around him dies off, and people go back to these central tenets of Judaism, temple, the law, Moses, Abraham, things that have helped them navigate the wave for some time. And John is writing to a people that are asking, was Jesus just another human or was he more than that? And and every time, John answers with that answer of more. Jesus was certainly more than that. Jesus is God himself come to dwell with us. John is writing to them saying, take your strongest picks of Judaism and the Jewish tradition. There is nothing in all of these things that are worth turning back to in place of Jesus. There is nothing superior to Jesus. John is saying, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. You want the real source of life? You can find it in no other place than Jesus himself. Jesus is the fullness of God displayed to us. And we read these words 2,000 years later, sharing that with the original audience. We need that source of life still. We share this need to reframe all things around the one who is life. And we can ask of ourselves uh, how much we share with that original audience. Do do we behave like Israel here? Are, Are we content maybe with following the right rules? not going to the source of light itself? Are we a people who trust our traditions a little too much and look towards them as the light rather than seeing how they are meant to point to the light itself? Or do we trust other things? I think something in North America, Canada, uh, that we struggle with is just our association with good health or financial success, with signs of God's goodness. These forms of blessings are like little lights. They reflect abundance, the goodness of life that God calls us towards. But the problem comes when these things are the only lights that we see, the only ways through which we see God and we run into problems when our health declines or when financial troubles come our way, and we find that we have not been seeking the one who is light. We've gotten so used to walking around with those reflections. We've been so used to walking around in the light of the moon that we stopped looking for the daylight. John is here to say, look to the one who is light and life. Our focus in John is showing Jesus is the fulfillment of Judaism's most sacred things, and this is already shown up in the prologue. Um, It begins with, in the beginning. And by quoting the beginning of the Torah, and and by quoting the first five books of Moses, John is making a big statement. He's saying the story is to follow, is going to answer Not just the questions asked maybe in the creation story, but the whole of the books of the law. In the first lines, we get the hint, Jesus is bigger than the Torah, bigger than the light of Scripture itself. This gets revisited again in our passage today. Verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. I just want you to just take note here of the word fullness here. Jesus is the one, um, it's repeated from verse 14 as well, where Jesus is shown as the one who is full of grace and truth. And here he is the one who is the fullness of grace from which we can receive blessings. John wants us to know. This is no partial witness. This isn't another person that gets us part of the way there. He's not someone that is reflecting of the light. Jesus is fullness in itself. Jesus is that light. And he continues pointing straight towards Moses. Uh, So this pointing towards Moses here is the first of 11 times that Moses will be mentioned. So this is going to be a reoccurring theme throughout the Gospel of John. And he connects Moses with the law here. And he says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus. Now, we might misread that comparison, so I want to stop and reflect on it a little bit. We might think that we're kind of doing away with the law, that the law was no good, this terrible thing that's done away with as soon as Jesus comes. But that's not the point. That's not consistent with how the rest of Scripture deals with the law. Throughout the Old Testament, the law is referred to as a light, something that helps God's people live glory-filled lives. A classic example is from Psalm 119 in verse 105 where it says, Your word, the law, the Torah, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. We remember that the laws of God were God's gift to Israel so that they could be a light to the world, but they just—they didn't live into it. It wasn't sufficient. This theme of the law being incomplete carries on into the New Testament. For example, in Hebrews 10 verse 1, it says, The law was only a shadow of the good things that were coming, but not the realities themselves. This idea of the law being a shadow of this reality isn't to say that it's a bad thing, but that it's not the true thing. It's just a sign of that true thing to come. We can't confuse the shadow for what is real. Um, Colossians 2 verse 17 says, Much the same. These are shadows, or the, thing, the laws like the, the Sabbath, are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. These passages are repeating what we find here in the Gospel of John. The law is good, but it is good in that it points to Jesus. True life is found in him. And we can continue in looking here at the words grace and truth. These are repeated again from verse 14. And when we see these words grace and truth, they should have us recall the images of God and how God is portrayed in the Old Testament. These are translations of Chesed and Emet. These words in Hebrew that are consistently used as traits of who God is and who God's character is. When we look at grace, we can think of God's, or we can think of God's mercy, His love, His continuing care for people even as they turn away from Him. And when we look at the Old Testament word for truth, we can think of it in terms, not not just like empirical truth, not logic, but as trustworthiness, as faithfulness to his covenant commitments. God being truth is expressed in being true to his word, in doing what he said he would do. Essentially, Jesus is the one who represents God's trustworthiness, his his truth, in that he is following through on these covenant promises. These words are meant to recall God and his steadfast love and his ability to come to the rescue, and they're being attributed directly here to Jesus. So we have this contrast here between Moses and the law. Moses is the one who passes on the law, which points towards grace and truth, but it is only through Jesus that grace and truth really enters in. Jesus doesn't only proclaim grace and truth, but he is the one from his fullness gives it in a way that can be received. Now John takes this even further in the next lines. So let's just read verses 16 and 17, or 17 and 18 together here. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is Himself God and in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. If you notice there's a little change in the translation there. I've updated to the, um, still the NIV, but the 2011 uh, translation because I think it, it translates this in a helpful way, showing this close relationship with the Father. But when he's talking about the law and Moses here, I want you to see this next line, no one has ever seen God. Now that might not put off alarm bells in your mind, but for the the original audience that was looking at this, people that would be familiar with the, the law, with the first five books of Moses, would certainly be thinking back to a story in Exodus chapter 33. Right after the law is given through Moses, we have Moses asking to see God's glory The story goes like this. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on those whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on those whom I have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Nobody has seen God, not even Moses. Moses, one of the the biggest deals of the Old Testament here, in one of the biggest moments, still only catches a glimpse of God's glory here. Moses isn't allowed to see the fullness of God, but just a glimpse as he passes by, and our passage is essentially saying Moses was close, but Jesus is closer. Moses got a glimpse of God's glory. Jesus is God's glory. Jesus is himself God in closest relationship to God, the Father. John is saying to those who are thinking of going back to the old ways of Judaism, he's saying, do you think that Moses can give a better testimony of who God is? Yes, Moses was close, Sinai and being in conversation with God, having the guts to ask to see God's glory. That's good stuff, but Jesus is at a different level here. Moses was close. Jesus is closer. Moses brought the law forward, which points towards life. Jesus is that life coming into being. Just like in John chapter 5, where Jesus says that Scripture doesn't contain eternal life, that he is the one that it points towards, In this first section of John's gospel, he's saying the same thing. Moses and the law can't give you eternal life. It is only in Jesus. Jesus simply points to himself and says, this is what God is like. And if you're surprised, then look again. Reread scripture. Everything now needs to be reinterpreted in light of me. Every light, every life finds itself centered around the God-made flesh. And it's not just Scripture and the symbols around Scripture that get reconfigured, but it's everything up into the present. It is us. We, too, are invited to recenter ourselves around this one who is life. We are to find our life source here. And the foundation of all of this is that he is in closest relationship with the Father. Jesus, being one in closest relationship with the Father, is the right one to make God known. If you want to know God, you you go to the people that, that really know who God is. Uh, A quick illustration of this. Um, When I was at Regent College, I was learning a little bit about C.S. Lewis, and you could read different biographies on him. And you'd read about the person who who wrote this biography, and they'd say, okay, I've read all of the books on him, and I've read all of his letters, and that kind of gives a sense of authority. They're they're aware of who he is. Uh, But while we were there... um, I was able to talk to the, the founder of Regent who taught with C.S. Lewis. He, he knew him. He was on that same teaching staff with him. And he has this different knowledge of this person. He had a relationship that we, he could talk from. He was one that we could trust that could more accurately state, this is what this person was like. Now, John is saying Jesus, on the foundation of him being co-eternal with God, part of the three in one God, being one of the same essence of God, is in the closest relationship with the Father. Therefore, he has the authority to make him known. Uh, Later in in John chapter 14, one of the disciples just asks, show us the Father. Then we'll be satisfied. And Jesus responds... Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Being one in the three in one God, Jesus is the image of the invisible. To see him is to know the Father. To see him is to see the one who is grace and truth. So the invitation goes to us Do we want to know the Father? Do we want to know who God is like? then we should be listening to John. Look to Jesus. Pay attention to the law. Diligently study the scriptures, but see how they are signs that point to the real thing. The big word that we finish with here is that word known. We are people that need to know this person we need to know who God is. And when we think of the word know, I want you to kind of couple it with that word believe. So our series title is That You May Believe, and we could basically cross that out and also say that you may know. And when we think of the word, what it means to know something, it's not just like this empirical knowledge. It's not knowing about Think of uh, chapter 5. The Jewish leaders saw Jesus performing a healing. They saw him. They collected information. They, They knew about him, but they didn't know him in that relational sense. To know Jesus is to be in relationship with him. To know that Jesus is God's grace and truth revealed to us. To know him is to see that he is God come in fullness. To know him is to go from walking in the moonlight to walking around in the light of the sun. Now, as an application for all of this, uh, we are in this final week leading up towards Christmas, and I want to bring a reminder that, that turning to reflections, we can have these temptations to... Turn to the things that reflect the light and mistake it for the source of the light. That's still something that can happen today. Those, Those mistakes weren't just things from the first century. These are things that we need to take seriously as well. Christians over the years have had to look at our own practices and ask ourselves, are we starting to focus on the wrong things? Whether it's following traditions or just obeying all the right rules, getting caught chasing our hopes in our own health or our financial success, do these little reflections of the light stop us from knowing the one who is light? Are we getting carried away with focusing on the moon that we're forgetting to direct our attention to the sun? So my encouragement is... Whether this week it's through gifts that are received or given, meals prepared or feasts celebrated, in our traditions followed, candles being lit, nativity stories being told, may we delight in them and how they point us to the one who is light. May we approach these times joyfully in how they direct us to the true light. And when they're disrupted, if they are less than what we had hoped, if we're forced into new traditions and practices, my prayer is that God gives you the grace to see the one who is the true light and life in fresh ways, in new ways this season. Let's pray. Almighty God, one full of grace and truth, full of mercy and faithful to your promises to set all things right. As we anticipate Christmas next week, we do so looking forward to this monumental moment of making yourself known in a whole new way. Guard us from being people who, like those in John 5, look for eternal life in the wrong places. May we see it is not in what we do, not in the rules that we follow, not in aligning ourselves with the right people, be it Moses or whoever else is out there. May we see true life comes in you and you alone. May we know you. More than knowing about you, may we receive you. That from the fullness of your grace, we can receive one blessing after another. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.